On today's Josh Jason's Punch Out, we wrap up shop, close up shop, wrap up a package, whatever you want to call it, for the year that was in 2022 in the world of mixed martial arts, the four part series. Has come to an end, friends. It has arrived. Myself and Paul Fontaine wrapping up with uh, the final three months of 2022, October, November, and December. Three months that saw very unique situations happen. We saw a new USC lightweight champion in Islam Makachev and his rise and uh, what could be and, and it for him in the future. We saw Israel Adesanya go down to feet, losing the middleweight title to rival Alex Preya. We talk about that and that whole MSG card, the wildness, the craziness of all that stuff. And we also talk about the very end, Dana White. And while this event happened, kind of leaked in January, it did happen on New Year's Eve. So I'm going to throw it in this. I don't really don't want to wait a whole year to talk about the Dana White slap situation. And after our talk, I have a couple of notes about the slap league because we recorded this, of course, before the developments of Dana White slap league being pushed back by a week. And all that good stuff. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. But yeah, this was a, a really fun three months to talk about a lot of stuff. About ninety minutes or so, Paul and I went. Yeah, even though this just happened, there was uh, you see a lot of the seeds for big stories uh, developing and being planned along the way, including I should mention gambling. So gambling and this gambling scandal with the UFC and James Krause really took sprout as well. And we break that all down too. This is a fun conversation. If you enjoyed any of the other episodes in the series, you're going to love this one. So let's get to it. The Grand finale in the MMA Year in Review Series, Part 4, October, November, December, with myself and Paul Fontaine on Josh Nason's Punch-Out, right now. Parting is such sweet sorrow, and we're here, oh, Paul. Yeah. We're here, Paul. It is uh, episode four, part four of the MMA Year in Review series. We are reviewing, of course, October, November, and the recently wrapped December. Paul Fontaine, as always, joins me. And Paul, uh, yeah, a little bit of sadness. We're here at the end. Yeah, my uh, my fourth show, and uh, you know, and, and I uh, I look forward to these every year. And one of these years, days, whatever you want to say, I got to get on for like a not a year end show, and just you know. Mm. Uh, but uh, I do I do look forward to these every year, and uh, I I keep adding to my mantle of the uh, the the most appearances on Josh Nation's. That's true. That's true. You. That's true. You're you're you're, <laughs> yeah. in a cl- you're in a class all your own, Mister Paul Fontana. Yeah, I'm like that. the uh, I'm like the uh, uh, what's his name. Um, I'm trying to play Alec Baldwin. Oh yes, you know, for SNL, uh, correct. Yeah, they got the like the five timers club, and then Alec Baldwin's hosted like 23 times. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, even though in this one, the uh, the it's interesting because the last one, the other months that we go over, and this happens in the wrestling review series as well. We have more perspective on kind of what happened. And these were still kind of churning in in what we just saw. Because, again, 90 days in the grand scheme of things is not a big amount of time. But no. it's interesting as we go through this where you start to see little seeds of stuff in October kind of sprout to bigger things in December. And we've talked about this before in, uh, in previous years that the window of time in which fights are announced – to when they actually happen is shorter and shorter now, where in the past it used to be 
Uh, and there's still some cases, obviously, with this where like a big fight for December would be announced in like July, you know, for that year end show or something yeah. like that. Not so much anymore. It's kind of just this, um, I want to say flying by the seat of the pants, but it, it's very, it's a much more shorter windows of time, obviously, with more shows, more spots to fill and all that. But as we go over some of the stuff, and especially with the betting stuff, we'll see things that didn't seem like they're a big deal in October became a much bigger deal in December. We're not going to get to see the full sprout of this, so to speak, until, you know, who knows, early part of this year, which is what I'm guessing. But this was um, this was a fun three months. We'll get right into it. So we'll start with October, 468 headlines scanned for this. And to me, the biggest story of the month was the the coronation of Islam Makachev as the light light weight champion of the world, not light heavyweight champion of the world, defeating Charles Oliveira by submission to win the 155 pound title. Makachev uh, really is one of those guys that kind of came along as a really kind of a true fan favorite and kind of taking over the, the mantle for Khabib Magomedov, obviously now that he is retired and this, this uh, Dagestani Russian block, whatever you want to call fighters really, really throughout the sport uh, has, has come to play in, in a big way. And I think even going to be even more so in the year ahead, but Makachev was really one of these guys that, People were really behind and thought he had a, a real chance here and and, and, a, and to be a favorite in a lot of ways, even against a guy in Oliveira, just steamrolling guys and had that uh, really good run at, at lightweight and really kind of established himself. Of course, the weight cutting that we issued that uh, caused him to be stripped of the title on the scale. We talked about that on a previous show, but this was really a UFC 280, Islam Makachev winning the title and, and winning it fairly convincing fashion as well. Uh, co-main event, we had Aljamain Sterling. Sterling, rather, retained the Bantamweight title over TJ Dillashaw. This controversy for a lot of ways because Dillashaw, essentially, uh, his shoulder let out during the fight. And he was, you know, in there and you could just tell there was there was issues. And when he got taken down, it was just a matter of time. And there was a lot of talk uh, after this about some of the stuff that Dillashaw said after the fight. He said he had about, what, 20 dislocations of his shoulder leading into, a, in, into the fight in his camp, which in most cases... You're going to have a guy that says, I can't do this, you know, and, and we're going to move the fight to a different time. There was a lot of questions, again, tying into betting and things like that, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there was there was a ton of questions about the who knew what uh, should there have been way more forthcoming in this. Did it kind of rob everyone of a better fight? Did it uh, it just it even, you know, Dana White wasn't that there was just a whole lot of questions about. Uh, who knew what, when, and, and and why they went through this fight uh, that the, to begin with. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley uh, d- picking up a somewhat uh, controversial split decision over Peter Yan. Uh, and then there was a fighter, Yamato Nishikawa. This interesting note. He was, at, he was scheduled for the show, and then he was cut completely before the show because he was under contract elsewhere, and they didn't want to let him go. And this wasn't like a big promotion or anything like that. Kind of a strange situation there. There was a fight in the stands with, uh, or in the, the crowd, rather, the Kamzat Shmaev's and uh, Khabib's cousin getting physical with each other. That was a whole big thing because, again, this was over in uh, Abu Dhabi, if I remember right. And then it was announced, uh, or not announced, but Dana White was hinting that uh, Alexander Volkanovsky was going to be potentially next for, next for Makachev in his lightweight title defense, uh, first one. We'll talk about that in a second because that was true. But can I, get, I want to start with you, Paul, and get your thoughts on the rise of Makachev, the Dillashaw stuff. Where does your mind go when you look at this card? Uh, yeah, this was, uh, first of all, I don't think you mentioned it. This took place in uh, Abu Dhabi, um, so it was a um, uh, 
an afternoon show, mm. um, which uh, was something that was done, you know, to appease the audience. I think it was, yeah, I believe, yeah, it was because it started at 1030 in the morning, uh, US time for the prelims. And I think the main card was like at two o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, you know, I would imagine that, you know, if people don't buy every single pay-per-view, there's a lot of people that didn't actually see this one. Uh, but um, the, yeah, Makachev is somebody that for years, uh, you know, he had that super long win streak. Nobody wanted to fight him. And uh, Khabib, even when he was still fighting, was saying, you know, this is the next lightweight champion. This this guy is going to take my mantle as the best lightweight in the world and maybe the best of all time. And the way this fight went, you know, Charles Oliveira had had just this incredible streak. Like both these guys had winning streaks of 10 fights or more. I mean, obviously, well, Oliveira had the last fight. Well, yeah, he won, but he was stripped of the title. Um, and, you know, so technically he wasn't the champ coming in, but they had these long win streaks and Oliveira is the guy that, you know, as soon as he gets to the ground, the fight's over. And what happened was Makachev got him to the ground and he ended up submitting Oliveira, which was not something that most people thought was going to happen. You know, they figured like if the fight was stayed on the feet, Makachev was likely going to win. And then if it got to the ground, you know, that's where he was going to be in trouble because Oliveira is, you know, a submission wizard. He can pull it up from anywhere, but uh, Makachev just, you know, just mauled him and, and ended up, I think he was trying to prove a point by submitting him. Um, he had the, uh, you know, like you said, the $1 million camp, which is the most mm. expensive camp that anybody in history i think has ever had and he may not have even made a million dollars for this fight like you know they but i guess you know they're looking at the possibility of how much money he's going to make in the future plus he's you know they're pretty well funded um by um you know people in russia uh-huh. we won't get into that yeah so i mean that was i mean i think like this was one where Oliver was coming in as an underdog and i thought he was a pretty good value as an underdog based on you know the the you know, some of the wins he's had and, you know, you look back at the record of Makachev and he hadn't really beaten the quality of opponents that Oliveira had. But I look at it very similar to Khabib when he was on the rise in that that's the same thing people said about him was, you know, like he was beating guys that were lower ranked and everything. And then, oh, yeah, as soon as he faces a top competitor, he's he's going to fall. And what ended up happening was he ended up looking even better. When, when he would fight the top competition. And what we've seen from Islam Makachev now is he had like a string of uh, decisions. But then, you know, when he, the last five fights, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, Charles Oliveira finished every single one of them. And, um, and, and he just keeps getting better. And this is after Khabib called him <laughs> the best of all time so, or, or the best lightweight in the world or whatever, however he put it. So I, I just thought this was like a coronation and this guy is going to be tough to beat. Um, I, uh, I, I don't see anybody currently on, in the lightweight division that is, is going to take that title from him. So it's, it's somebody that's, well, maybe he's in the division now, but he's still kind of on the come up. Um, the TJ Dillashaw stuff. I was surprised that we didn't end up getting some sort of a scandal like we would see next month, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, with TJ. Because this, even though um, he had told the doctors and the ref and everything about these dislocations, it doesn't appear that a lot of people knew about this. Um, I, you know, I, I, my co-host on my on the in the Clinch podcast, Ryan, he's pretty tuned in, and he didn't know, and I was 
And like I, my first thing I said when they said it, I was like, "Did you know this? You should have told me because I had money on TJ." <laughs> and it's like I would have not bet. I usually put my bets down on, on the morning of the of the show, and uh, I, you know, it's the morning of the show. I had no idea, so I put. I again, I thought TJ was a was a good uh, value bet. He he was getting like almost three to one odds, and um and and yeah, and then you know he his his shoulder went out and. He took way too much punishment and, and the ref, you know, they finally stopped it, you know, near the end of the second round after, you know, he was just taking so much punishment, but he wasn't going to quit. So, um, you know, and, and Alderman wasn't going to quit punching him. So that was, uh, you know, that was kind of tough to watch. But then, you know, and, and as it ended now, it looks like he's going to be out for a while you know, maybe even not come back, you know, although, you know, I'm sure he wants to come back, but that's a tough, to, tough injury to come back from, especially at his age. Um, and uh, the O'Malley on, this would be the first of two straight months again, you know, similar storylines in that, you know, we have a guy that the UFC's promotional um, uh, machine is behind in Sean O'Malley, somebody that, you know, they've been pumping up, they've been putting him on pay-per-view main cards for a couple of years now, uh, one of the younger fighters on the roster. Well, I guess he's 28 now, so he's not really, young, huh? that young. But yeah, yeah. But but I mean, you know, he's he's 16 and one. You know, definitely a top prospect. Um, and he beat you know Peter Yan. This was definitely a controversial decision. I'm looking at the MMA decisions, uh, which you know tracks the reporter scores, and this looks like there's about 30, and one reporter picked Sean O'Malley and everyone else picked uh, Peter Yan. And yet two of the three judges went with, uh, went with Sean O'Malley. And the, the funny thing is we said, we'd see the same thing in the next month with, you know, Patty Pimlet getting gifted a decision. And we've even heard from there's theories that some of these judges are giving the close fights to the fighters that they think that UFC wants to win Again, I'm not saying this is what they're doing, but I'm saying this is what some mm-hmm. high-level reporters are speculating uh, because they want to keep getting these gigs. And right. they think that if they give the fighter to the person that UFC wants to win, then they'll be asked to judge again. And, of course, that to me, that is not – the UFC doesn't have any say in who judges fights. It's the athletic commissions. Now, if the athletic commissions – you know, or have a vested interest in seeing guys, you know, with marketability win fights and because they're going to be bigger gates and then they're going to get more cut. You know, there's a lot of speculation that could go in. I just think it's bad decisions and bad judging. And I think they need to rehaul the system uh, because we see too many of the, too much of this. Um, and, and they, you know, they are making some changes. I know uh, and we'll talk about it later with Doug Crosby, but um, in this case, you know, this was Abu Dhabi. I think they brought in judges from, I don't even recognize the names of these judges. Ben Cartledge, David Lethaby, Vito Paliillo. I don't know where these guys came from, but do they it's not usually, the usual guys. Do they usually use people from uh, Mohegan Sun, the uh, the tribe? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, they, they usually use the same judges like in North America. So I don't know if these were like European judges or, or what, but I don't recognize any of these names. Ben Cartledge sounds slightly familiar, but these other two guys I don't really recognize, but... Regardless, um, it, it was a good show. Um, you know, I love these afternoon shows. I mean, I'm sure they don't do very good business, but um, the uh, Bilal Muhammad Sean Brady fight on the prelims was was a really good one, mm. um, and a really really impressive performance by Bilal Muhammad. He's another guy um, that you know is kind of unheralded and one of these guys that probably none of the top contenders really want to fight because he's he's real tough to beat and he doesn't have a huge name so um you know and Benil Dariush as well got a decision over Mateus Gamrut and I think he's somebody that's probably gonna be fighting for a title soon um 
you know, longtime fan favorite, a former tough fighter, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, and Manon Firo as well got a got a, a win on the. And she, you know, it's tough to get uh, contenders in that women's flyweight division because it seems like you, you know, anybody gets like two wins in a row and they lose. So mm-hmm. I think Manon's got a nice little streak going here, and we'll probably see her fighting Valentina Shevchenko at some point, maybe on one of these European shows um, because she's from France. So uh, yeah, but a good show overall, and uh, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. And and the Nishikawa thing. Um, he was uh, scheduled, like he was under contract to Shudo, but usually, like with these, you know, regional promotions, we'll call them, they will let their fighters out of contracts to fight in the UFC. And but, I guess what happened in this case was UFC didn't clear it ahead of time and just assumed it would be okay. And then Shudo decided, nah, you know what? We got him under contract. We're not letting him fight. And That's crazy. It's right? kind of weird because <laughs> it never happens, but it did this time. Yeah. Uh, so let's go over uh, some of the other headlines of the month. We'll break these up into a few different blocks. So UFC Vegas 61, Jan Shianon picked up a majority decision win over Mackenzie Dern in the main event. Daniel Santos, John Castaneda, fight of the night there. And this was the one that had no fans, just Zuckerberg and his wife and very select <laughs> few people. No media, no fans, no nothing. And yeah, this was uh, a major talking point. And I know the... MAJA uh, attempted to petition the uh, the state and kind of get on board with some other initiatives to essentially allow media in these type of things and not allow them to do this. Uh, it's not picked up any steam yet, unfortunately. But it is uh, this is very strange. Again, Dana White going into this saying, you know, they're, they're, it's completely bullshit and all this stuff, and it turned out not to be. And it was just kind of one of those one of those weird things. And again, if the UFC can just say no media, it shows then. Um, it just it provides them more power in an, in kind of an unfortunate way. It's just a, again, when they're kind of there's smoke, there's fire. It's like, why, why prevent, you know, 10 media members from being there? It's not like I, the best point I heard made was they're not going to just run over to Mark Zuckerberg and start asking him questions. Think about, I mean, the shows that I've covered, anyone has covered, there's celebrities all over the place and it's not like media can just go over at any point and walk over and talk to them. It's just, it that just doesn't happen. There's really no rationale for keeping media out. So it was just a, a very strange situation. And there was also no reason for keeping um, fans out. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not, we're talking thousands of people in this place and UFC has had bigger celebrities. I'd say the people who care about, including, um, you know, <laughs> celebrity, I mean, Donald Trump, when he was sitting president mm-hmm. came in, I mean, think about in a packed house, he came in. And watch the show. Uh, you think of people like, uh, I mean, Vince McMahon came in. Granted, he's not at the Trump level, but like The Rock. I mean, all these cele- Brad Pitt, there's all these celebrities that have come in to watch shows, and there's never been a problem. And I don't know, I'm not sure why the head of Facebook slash Meta deserves to have his own, uh, his own venue for it. It just was very, very strange. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go through the rest of this here. So, uh, Bellator 266 results, AJ McKee. Defeating Spike Carlisle in uh, his return, uh, McKee's return to action after losing the featherweight title. Uh, Aaron Pico, Dave Meltzer's favorite, dislocated his shoulder on the stool. <laughs> Talking about dislocated shoulders, they attempted to pop it out twice. That was quite quite an unusual visual, so I keep him out for quite some time. Patricia Pipple defeating Am Borks in the main event. Ben Rothwell, former UFC fighter, uh, defeated uh, Bobo O'Bannon in 19 seconds in his bare knuckle debut. And then Chris Camozzi, remember him? 
uh, one in 30 second, 37 seconds in his bare knuckle debut again. MMA guys just going over and doing well. So I think that's a trend that's going to continue. Uh, Antonio Noki uh, passing away at 79 years old, obviously a well known for the pro wrestling end of things, but known in the uh, essentially mixed martial arts in a lot of ways with the, uh, the, the Muhammad Ali fight. Vandalay Silva losing in his bid to join the Brazilian Congress. One reported $110 million in losses in 2021, and it was up to $383 million total in losses in company history. Uh, their head uh, denied this, even though it came directly from their own reports. So kind of strange there. <laughs> uh, Aspen Ladd signed with PFL and was fighting at featherweight against Julia Budd. So she had her first fight lined up at a uh, different weight class. Anthony Smith got a blood clot after recovering from his UFC 277 ankle break. A bad year would get even more disappointed for him as time would go on. We'll get to that in a minute. Kevin Holland, big surprise, came out of retirement for the uh, fight against Wonderboy Thompson at UFC Orlando. And Taito Avastas versus Sergei Pavlovich was named as the co-main event. Shogun Hua was set for his likely retirement fight against Ihor Pateria at UFC 283. Frankie Edgar's, reti- Frankie Edgar's retirement fight was confirmed for UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden. Rose Namajunas posed for a Victoria's Secret ad. Uriah Hall made his announced making his pro boxing debut on the Anderson Silva Jake Paul undercard against former NFL star Le'Veon Bell. Greg Hardy won his knockout in his boxing debut. Luke Rockhold has boxing interest. Everyone's boxing, Paul. Everyone's boxing. Oh yeah. Bobby Green was suspended six months by USADA and UFC set to return to Australia for UFC 284. Again, kind of still. Finally coming out of that pandemic and visiting some places. And then Alistair Overeem returned to glory for his third kickboxing fight with Barahari. And he picked up a unanimous decision win. However, there would be some controversy or a, a big footnote uh, we'll talk about in just a minute. Thoughts on any of that? All right. Uh, back up to the uh, the UFC, the empty arena show. Um, I think with Zuckerberg, it it's kind of maybe... I, my impression was that he's just more of a person that doesn't really like being around people so you know if you got enough get out of here really (laughs) with the whole meta thing so yeah and and, uh, so i mean it's not so much that you know it's because he's such a big star it's just because you know what he's got enough money that he can pay off the um the the you know the the company to to allow him to have an empty arena and i mean you know and some of the other guys you brought up like trump and vince and stuff i think they you know, their egos are such that they like the attention that they get when they show up at a packed arena. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, that's just speculation on my part. But, I mean, it, it was just odd that they wouldn't, you know, confirm anything. And then, you know, you watch the show and he's like right in the front row, um, you know, and nobody else. It, it was just it was very, very bizarre. One story that I think was actually kind of a big story that you didn't even attach to that show, though, was um, – and I think this might come up later in the show. Uh, Ila Latifi, uh, after his win over Alexei Olenek, he was talking about how tough it was. And he mentioned that he's been suffering with staph infection. And uh, meanwhile, he's been rolling around on the mat with Alexei Olenek for 15 minutes. Mm. And I'm like, um, staph infection is highly contagious. And uh, I, I don't know if he had disclosed this prior to. In fact, I think it later came out later that he didn't. And I uh, ended up getting suspended as a result of that. Um, that was just a really, really bizarre um, kind of post-fight interview. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something else. And uh, other than that, though, this, the show itself was, I mean, nobody was there to watch it. I don't think a ton of people watched on ESPN+. Plus. It was kind of an afternoon show in the, in the middle of college football season and uh, no fans, no media. 
uh, I think a lot of people just might as well have just forgotten that the show even happened other than, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, it was notable due to no media. And and they were also testing out, I think, some VR technology that they would end up using later on on some lower level regional shows and probably will end up in UFC at some point with different camera angles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the uh, the rise and fall of Aaron Pico continues with, uh, you know, losing to uh, Jeremy Kennedy on that uh, Bellator show. That was uh, something to see. Antonio Noki, um, you know, that was a big story. And we even covered it, uh, you know, as, as MMA because, I mean, he was a big part of the uh, formation and popular popularization of, of MMA, especially in Japan. But, uh, you know, even even into uh, in, into Canada or Canada and the U.S. And it was a big loss to the combat sports community, obviously. And uh, we'll hear more about that as the year progresses with, uh, you know, the the Belt Horizon show that just happened as we're talking. Um, speaking of which, happy birthday, Josh. Oh, thank you. Um, as thank we're you. recording this. No problem. Yeah. No number, problem. I, number, I, meant, I meant to say that off air, but. Uh, <laughs> number 45. Uh, I'll, uh, oh, wow. That's uh, yeah. You're getting up there. You're, yeah. you're still a young man. That's right. Yeah. You, you always can remember yeah, that because at- it's always Wrestle Kingdom, January 4th. If everyone needs to remember, it's always on Wrestle Kingdom Day. Oh, yeah. That's how I remembered. It had nothing to do with the fact that I got a notification on Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Aspen Lodge uh, signing with PFL was um, was something I, I guess I think it's well, I mean, she's going to fight at featherweight there, which, again, is probably a better weight class for her than trying to make bantamweight in UFC. And, and really, their their money uh, division is lightweight. So she should have no problem making weight at lightweight. Um, so maybe a better fit for her. And I think UFC was kind of done with her uh, constant weight issues. Uh, nice to see Kevin Holland's retirement ended. We That was one of the last news items we had on our last show. So yeah. uh, I, uh, you know, 28, 29 years old is a little young to retire. Um, and, uh, yeah, all these guys making, uh, boxing debuts. It's funny. Some of these, especially as we get towards the end of the year, like a lot of these, I didn't, were kind of off my radar and Uriah Hall against Le'Veon Bell in a boxing match, um, is something I kind of almost feel like I want to see, uh, <laughs> even though I'm not a big boxing fan. It's just, it's so bizarre. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's a, people willing to pay. Why not? You know? Yeah, that's how this uh, yeah, how this combat sport, especially boxing, works now. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I include these in there because I think we're going to see more of that. But we'll talk about this in just a minute because Frank Mir wants one more MMA fight. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, official, the backup for the uh, was the official backup for the UFC 280 lightweight title fight. Of course, that'll lead into some news we'll talk about again in just a minute. Yeah, you just mentioned Alexei Olenek and also Christoph Jocko were released by the UFC, uh, and then. Again, seeds that we're going to see start to sprout in December were planted in October. So we had uh, Glover versus Yuri Prohoshka 2, officially announced. Jan Blokovic versus Magomed Ankalaev. Our favorite, Alexander Gustafsson uh, versus OSP, set yeah. for December's UFC 282. They were trying to load this up. They were talking, uh, there was a report out there that John Jones versus Stipe Miocic was reportedly targeted to headline. Bo Nickel was supposed to be on the show. He was out in his debut Push back to 2023. Patty Pimblett added to the show, and also Raul Rosas Jr., the uh, 17-year-old, I believe, uh, debut his debut, main roster debut, so to speak, set for the show as well. Tito Ortiz claimed that a rematch with Chael Sonnen was coming for February 2023. Still nothing announced for that yet. All caps, slap fighting's coming, Paul. The Dana White Uh-oh. Power Slap League. <laughs> 
We'll, we'll mention this at the end of December because it uh, crossed over. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about all that in a minute. Uh, UC Vegas 62 results. Alexa Grosso defeating Vivian Arreo Are- by UNAM's decision in the main event. And then Cup Swanson lost via leg kick, uh, leg kick TKO to Jonathan Martinez. I include this in here because there was, there was a weird press conference. They, they did a pre-fight press conference before, and he didn't answer any questions, but instead had someone answer for him. And kind of that was a, a strange situation there. So I'm not sure why he did that. Uh, UFC, again, we mentioned this gambling thing. Talk about seeds. UFC instructing their fighters in camps no gambling on fights or I believe anything in general. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah, but it was definitely nothing. Uh, yeah, no gambling on MMA or anything like that. But I believe it was nothing in general, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Robert Whitaker versus Paul Costa was set for UFC 284 in Perth. John Lineker, hands of stone, was stripped of the one title. His, uh, I think, 135, maybe 145. I'm not sure what the weight classes are there. After he missed weight, fight still went on anyway. Dana White saying Conor McGregor can't return until he's in the USADA pool for six months. There would be an interesting twist on that we'll talk about in a minute. Dana White said gambling, quote-unquote, more optics than anything on restricting fighters from gambling. Uh-huh. Ryzen versus Bellator, the New Year's Eve show was set five on five, five Bellator fights, five Bellator fighters versus five Ryzen fighters, which would include uh, AJ McKee and Patricia Pipple in action. Speaking of Yuri Prohaska, he was tested a record at this point, a record 51 times at this point in 2022, 15 in October alone, which is just very strange. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson's manager, kind of hinting towards something uh, happening, saying uh, his uh, client's friend was not doing well. Jake, so, so again, talking about boxing, we had it. Jake Paul taking on Anderson Silva, the most anticipated fight of the year, Paul. Jake Paul defeating oh, yeah. Anderson Silva in that boxing match. Going into this, some strange stuff. Uh, Silva claimed that he was knocked out twice during a training camp. It put the fight in jeopardy uh, to the extent you believe that stuff. But there was an emergency meeting and all this because there were some some worries there. And Silva said he, you know, some was lost in translation. Again, we talk about what fighters say, and then all of a sudden afterwards, like, oh, this wasn't really true. They were just kidding or something like that, just trying to talk themselves out of uh, the hole they dug themselves in. Uh, Jake Paul and Silva made this pre-fight bet of if if Paul won, uh, he would have to be president of Jake Paul's like a pro fighter organization. You remember this? And I don't think that's, I don't know what has happened with that. If anything, uh, there was Silva talking before us about uh, uh, wanting to to do something with GSP, some sort of fight there. Uh, Nate Diaz was backstage, got into a scuffle. So it was just this whole kind of weird thing around this. And then Uriah Hall defeated Le'Veon Bell in that aforementioned fight. And this bombed on pay-per-view. UFC Vegas 63 results. Arnold Allen winning his 10th straight. Second round TKO win over Calvin Cater. Cater tore his ACL and it's going to put him out until late 2023. And speaking of GFC, the reason Silva was talking is that GSP said he's finally free of his UFC contract five years after his final fight. Thoughts about any of that? Wow. Well, I can't believe it's been five years since he fought Michael Bisping. Crazy, right? Um, doesn't, doesn't seem like that long ago, yeah. And that was like what feels like four or five years since his previous fight to, with uh, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the uh, a lot here. Uh, Frank Mir and uh, wanting one last MMA fight. I actually think that sounds fun and maybe, you know, get his daughter, um, who is also a, an aspiring fighter, get them on the same card. Maybe, you know, I'm that sounds like something right up Bellator's alley. But if not that, maybe one of these LFA shows on UFC Fight Pass, um, you know, and, and then maybe you can give Bella a, uh, you know, a Dana White Contender Series contract coming off of that or something. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. And I'd, I'd definitely tune in for that. Um, 
the um yeah some of the uh fights that you mentioned uh Patty Pimblett and Raul Rosas. I mean, that was those are big names for that uh, this November card that that we'll talk about in a bit. The Slap Fight League. I mean, you know, this is one of those things that just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, and then when you you heard about it and you saw the video, you're like, I can't believe like anyone thinks this is a good idea to like sanction this as a sport. And then you know, with this news we're going to talk about, I mean, it's it's such a bad look. And I I. I hope cooler heads prevail, but I mean, Dana got them a network TV or a cable network TV deal. And I don't know, like I'm, uh, it's just bizarre. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the gambling stuff is, you know, something that, you know, again, we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but it's for people that don't follow UFC, like to actually realize that up until this announcement was made, like fighters were able to gamble on UFC fights, including their own, um is just bizarre and you know and you even make jokes like oh you know like herb dean might have had money on that fight and stuff like that and there actually was no rules preventing that um you know so you say it as a joke but it could actually be true and and it's like uh, i can't believe it went on as long as it did and now they're finally putting an end to it but it might have been too late i guess we'll find out more about that as that story continues to develop um, and yeah, the, the other thing that I, we talked about this as well on our podcast, but the Europe Pachaska being tested 51 times, like it's one of those things that when you hear it, you're like, okay, that must be a misprint, um, you know, and then you go back and you look at the records and you're like, no, you know, 15 in October, including, yeah, like, including like, I think he was even being tested on like fight days, which is, you know, like something that they generally aren't doing and like, it just really crazy. And then, you know, and then people bring up, you know, like, you know john jones tested once conor mcgregor not at all of course he's not in the pool but um you know and and thinking that there's some some sort of a double standard and stuff like that makes you think it's hard to um argue that (laughs) but it's i don't think i actually don't think there is i think this was just a weird thing that happened i don't really know why all right let's go to some more weird things november 418 headlines (laughs) scanned and we started with ufc 281 and this was this was my pay-per-view of the year because it was just these MSG shows are always good. <laughs> they just always are yeah. good. And um, outside that one, uh, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis fight, which was kind of boring, but uh, that was that whole situation. We, we talked about that. We did that year in review, but this was uh, of course, the Madison square garden headlined by uh, rivals, pass rivals, Alex Perea taking on uh, middleweight Kingpin, Israel Asanya, Asanya, of course, a, a big undefeated streak uh, going this, in at middleweight, of course, minus the uh, Jan Blokovic, um light heavyweight title loss, I believe, the year prior. But yeah, this was uh, Pereira had, uh, had defeated on Sunday twice in kickboxing before, and then did it a third time, defeating Israel Asani in the fifth round to win the middleweight title. I still kind of see the sequence in my head as it was happening, and this is a you know this is a good fight, very close fight going in the fifth, and Pereira just put on the put on the gas, man, and he just he just went for it. And he knocked him out. This, um, you know, I think when popular fighters lose, especially when they're not knocked out cold, there's kind of this, this, uh, you know, was a fight to stop too early. I didn't think it was. Uh, there was some talk about that, but, you know, Asani hasn't really chirped too much about that at this point. Rematch, Dana White's heavily hinted at. I think that was, I mean, I think that has to happen. I expect probably see it yeah. in the first, uh, first quarter, first half of, uh, of 2023. Be surprised if we don't see it there. Uh, and it should be pretty big when they do it. 
Uh, Wei Li Zhang uh, regaining the strawweight title by defeating the always exciting Carlos Sparza. This is kind of a no doubt one. Zhang is just so strong. Uh, it was a crucifix submission, if I remember right. She was just, I mean, just just ran through her and uh, trying to get their champion back. And Wei Zhang reigns supreme. Awesome fight here. Dustin Poirier submitting Michael Chandler. A great fight doesn't do it justice. This was uh, this was entertaining from start to finish. This is just great. This is the stuff that uh, we don't get it all the time, but when we do, it stands out. And this was uh, this was awesome to finally get this. Ryan Spann knocking out the, the returning Dominic Reyes. This was a no doubter on a jab, no less. This was Spann's a big dude, and just flattened Reyes, uh, made him look like it was his first day in the sport. Crazy. Uh, I include this here because you know Renato Moicano really had a nice resurgent 2022 after kind of being left for dead in what 2020, 2021, give or take. He was a guy that I remember on a Memorial Day show took on Cody Garbrandt years ago. And they put him as him and, and uh, Garbrandt as the main event, and it was kind of like you know they really kind of just pushing him at that point. It was it was a big deal because you know both guys weren't really that well known, and then Moicano took a tumble, and then really has had a nice career resurgence at a new weight class. I mean Brad Riddell in this, who's a really tough guy, and uh, and really just dominated him, looked great in doing it, and then uh, Chris Gutierrez. Knocking out Frankie Edgar again, Edgar's retirement fight, and again just another knockout for Edgar, and just. It was just this feeling of like sadness afterwards that you know that, that yeah. there was more competitive, but kind of like we didn't need this to cement the fact that Edgar should be done. But you just hope that this uh, this uh, compiling of knockout losses, you know, doesn't affect him badly in life. I I, I don't I don't know. It uh, it was just kind of one of those things like uh, it, it was just hard to watch considering how much how many great fights that we've seen him in. To see him in this position again was like, on kind of his core, his, his uh, final nights just was, uh, it was tough to watch. But uh, thoughts on uh, USC 2 day one? Uh, yeah, this was my show of the year as well. Um, we um, we just did our, uh, on the latest issue of uh, episode of the In the Clinch, we did our like, kind of year-end awards and definitely picked this as the uh, card of the year. And uh, we also had Poye and Chandler round one as the round of the year which uh, was an incredible round because uh, Poye was in a lot of trouble early in that fight. And Chandler looked like he was going to finish him. And then by the end of the round, Poye had come back and almost looked like he was going to finish Chandler and Chandler completely dominated the second round. And, you know, depending on how you're going to score it, like Poye might've thought he was losing the fight and needed a finish in the third round and Chandler wasn't really letting up. And then finally, when Poye was able to get him down, he just locked in that choke and, just you know for everything it was worth and he managed to put Chandler out and just an incredible incredible fight and like you said uh, we always seem to get one of these on on every MSG card and and you know there's a there's a list of guys that you know Poirier Chandler Gaethje um, Oliveira you know you can just kind of mix and match them and and try to put them into this you know kind of third from the top you know steal the show fight fight of the year that always seems to happen at MSG Mm -hmm. and and it's one of those things that make it even more um, anticipated for the hardcore MMA fans. So yeah, great, great fight there. The Gutierrez Edgar, um, I, I, I was what, you know, made the point, you know, when you look at Edgar's career and uh, you know, he, he had won the lightweight title in like one of the, you know, one of the classic fights of, of all time and, you know, against BJ Penn and, and, you know, and then defended it uh, in that, uh, 
two fights against Gray Maynard, you know, the split decision and then the the finish. And this is right around the time Chris Gutierrez was starting his career. <laughs> and I think if you had told him, you know, at that time, you know, in, in 10 years, 12 years, you're going to be fighting Frankie Edgar in his retirement fight. Um, you know, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. And then he knocked him out. And I swear, like the saddest guy in the building was Chris Gutierrez. Like, you know, that he had to beat <laughs> yeah. him, like just the look on his face, like he just felt so bad. And then Frankie gave a nice speech and looked like he was OK. And, uh, you know, and everyone was, you know, they were sad that he lost, but they were still kind of happy that, you know, he kind of went out on his shield as as, you know, all these fighters tend to do. Sad to see, but, um, you know, at least, you know, hopefully he's he's OK long term. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Alex Pereira in the main event, uh, just, you know, this is the fight that they've been building to since he signed. Um, he was, you know, he was brought in because he'd beaten Adesanya twice in kickboxing. And the idea was, you know, get him a couple wins and, you know, get him into that title shot. And he luckily for UFC, he had that really impressive knockout over Sean Strickland in July. So mm -hmm. they could justify putting him in a title fight this quickly. And, uh, you know, in the fight, like you said, was close. Um, Ada, Pereira was actually outstriking him, even though uh, Adesanya was up, I think, 3-1 on the judges' scorecards. Um, you know, he was... But Pereira was actually landing, you know, more strikes, I think, in, in every round. Um, but, you know, it was just Adesanya was, you know, his, his strikes seemed to like they were doing, having more impact. And, you know, he's just a flashier fighter and tends to win these close rounds. So uh, Pereira, you know, got the KO in the fifth and, and won the title. And, yeah, perfectly sets up for a rematch. I remember as this fight was going on, it wasn't like the Usman Edwards fight where, you know, you know, like you're just watching this slow destruction and yeah. right in the guy's eulogy. I remember thinking like, oh, you know what? Pereira is showing enough in this fight that if he gets another win or two, they could easily do a rematch. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, that, oh, yeah, it's going to be three, four, one or three, two. And and, you know, people are going to say, yeah, you know, with a little more experience, Pereira might be able to beat him. And then he beat him. So, yeah, they have to go to a rematch. Yeah. And um, and that. Yeah. And then, yeah, Wei Zhang, you know, retaining the title. Carlos Barza, I think, is maybe the worst title reign in UFC history, given that she won the title in a terrible fight um, and then did everything she could to avoid defending it as for as long as she could. And then ended up you know, defending against Wei Li Zhang and, uh, and lost in a similar way to how she lost the first time when Yoanni and Jacek just completely mowed her over. Um, which is sad because in between all that, as far as is, you know, actually a pretty good fighter, just not at the level of uh, Wei Li Zhang on, on this night for sure. And probably not at all. Um, so yeah, it, just a great, great show. One fight that you didn't mention that, you know, if people it's recent enough that, you know, you go back and look at it on uh, UFC fight pass or, or ESPN plus is uh, one of the prelim fights between Mike, Mike Trezano and Sung Woo Choi. They had just an incredible exchange in the first round. And at one point they both threw a punch. They both knocked each other down and then just got right back up. Like, but they both like, it was almost like one of those double knockouts. Like, you know, Paul, you know, um, what's it, that, remember that Frank Muir fight a few years ago? Yeah. Um, didn't, uh, where, did, did Bader and Fedor do that in their first fight too? Did they both knock each other Bader down? And Bader and Fedor. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, or was it Bader and Muir? I kind of want to think it was Mir, but you might be right. It was Bader and Fedor, but either way. Yeah. They both like knocked down and then, but they just popped right back up and then they just had this incredible fight. And then uh, Mike Trezano got a KO win with nine seconds left in the first round, just an incredible one round fight um, that, uh, you know, you can go out of your way to see um, if, if you haven't seen it already. So yeah, just an incredible show and uh, always look forward to these MSG shows in November.
I have a, a worse title reign for you. Nico Montano. What's that? Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah, first ever. Didn't even get to defend I know the first yeah. ever women's uh, the inaugural women's flyweight champion. That was uh, that was pretty. That whole stretch, boy, that was just bad. Absolutely, just yeah. bad, bad in that they just wouldn't strip her the title. You know, she no. Just and then when they finally ended up, yeah, wasn't it like Roxy fought in the for the interim title or something? Yeah, I, be- I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. basically, they were just trying to get it to Valentina Shevchenko, you know, however they could, and they yeah. were able to figure it out. Yeah. Um, all right, but then of course the other big news of the month was uh, this UFC sixty four uh, UFC uh, Fight Night sixty four in Vegas. Fight was under investigation for suspicious betting. The fight between Derek Minner and uh, Shalian Nurdenbeek. I believe that's how you pronounce the name. Of course, it could be just like Jim Smith or something like that, right? So there was um, there was money that was uh, money that just had a big shift going into. I think the, the two hours going into the fight, if I remember the story right, and it was at enough sports books where it it flagged it. And uh, James Krause later was. Pulled from coaching duties at UFC Vegas 65 due to his betting probe, and essentially came down to Minner not disclosing an injury going in. James Krause, former, uh, we talked about, he just retired from MMA. At this point, I mean, he was kind of just a, a, a footnote because he had been out of the sport, at least fighting for a while, but former UFC fighter. And, uh, you know, he was a, a guy that we would know, but not any type of star or anything like that, but he also has a betting podcast, and he was big on... Uh, a discord channel about betting and things like that. So he was really heavy into this, but obviously he was coaching as well. And so the thought is that uh, he, he knew that men or may not probably shouldn't have been fighting going into this. This is kind of the, the, the running thought and that it was pushed to do it anyway, because there was money to be won, even though Minner was not going to win and he did not win during this fight. And there was a, uh, and that was due to then all of a sudden the shift in betting was kind of like, it just was a lot of red flags. And we'll talk more about kind of how this would evolve because we're still not done with this yet. But essentially, James Krause was pulled from this Bay 65 show. And in December, we'll talk about the other restrictions put on him and everyone in the fight camp around him. But this is kind of a, you know, a big thing. You know, I think sometimes we had talked about earlier in the series that PFL uh, betting thing because they, they put on a tape delay show and essentially presented as a live show, which a lot of people didn't know. And you had point out betting odds and things like that were on on the screen, and that just kind of went away. And but this this stuck because this had more implications that we're going to be talking about in December. Absolutely, I um, I, I one of the the way this was presented to me as what may have been the way that this happened is you know james Krause is a coach he's got he's been very vocal on on his podcast and and in interviews and stuff like that saying that he made he makes more money betting than he made as a fighter or as a coach so that's number one mm-hmm. um he there was rumors that he basically would um advance money to fighters to place bets and then he would take a commission uh from these bets if the fighters won and he's using the information that he has. So in, in this situation, he knew that Derek Minner was injured and probably shouldn't be fighting. So the the way it was presented to me is this is what could have happened. This isn't necessarily what did happen. But James Krause approaches Derek Minner and says, hey, um, place the bet on this fight. First round finish. You know, you bet um, $100,000. If you win, you're getting $700,000. You give me back 
you know, this amount of money, you keep a $50,000 profit or, you know, however you're going to work it to where, you know, there's no risk on the fighter's part. Um, but if he, if he loses, he's going to win big. And, uh, and then Krause is going to profit off that. And then not only did, would he have done that with Minner, there's a possibility he may have done it with other fighters as well, because mm. there was another fighter that would later get suspended as a likely result of this investigation. I mean, they didn't reveal why, but um, some of the fighters that he had coached are allowed to fight, but they just aren't allowed to be coached by him anymore. Right. UFC is essentially cutting all ties with James Krause and uh, you know, and, and for, you know, we'll, 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 there'll be more news on this, but you know, there was um, provinces in Canada that were banning uh, UFC from from betting uh, New Jersey I think I think that's been lifted now but for a while you couldn't bet on UFC in New Jersey you can bet on WWE but you can't bet on UFC <laughs> um, you know and uh, and and yeah and I live in Manitoba and you're still allowed to bet here um, we're we're very slow to make changes in the Manitoba government um, but uh, the yeah it's just a just a bizarre story but also one that was bound to happen given how lax UFC was on the rules regarding fighters and betting. And to the point where even some, I wouldn't say journalists, but people on Twitter that are very vocal and follow the sport very carefully. And, you know, people might even think they're journalists, but they don't even call themselves journalists, but they would even say like, Oh, you know, I can't believe UFC is cutting off a revenue stream for these fighters. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, you right. know, like, the idea of a fighter betting on not just UFC, that's bad enough. You know, I mean, Pete Rose was, was banned for life from baseball for betting on baseball, not even on his own team. But the fact that you could bet on your own fights up until, you know, October of, of 2022 is just ridiculous and bizarre. Yeah. It's but insider trading. Now you can't. It's it, it uh, is, and uh, and it was upfront, and and you know, and then the UFC is all over this, like they're, and and really, I think the popularity of UFC is, I really believe it's tied into gambling. You know, it's just like football. Um, you know, like everybody watching football has you know money on it in some form. Not everybody, but most. And I think with UFC, you know, like these prelims. Uh, you know, why else are you watching prelims? You know, unless you're like a hardcore fan that just can't get enough fighting. But yeah, I got money on you know, like Shane Burgos and Marlon Moraes. You know, I just picked two names off your off your notes here. <laughs> but I mean, it's like you know, like I literally, I mean, I'm a I'm a degenerate. Okay, like I literally have money on almost every single one of these fights, because it makes the fights more enjoyable for me to watch. You know, but I'm not like you know, I'm I'm you know, ten, fifteen bucks or whatever. Like I'm not. You know, like, and and I mean, it all kind of balances out. But as you're watching, you know, you have that one show where you got like 10 wins. You're like, yeah, I won 100 bucks, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's not like it just makes the fights more interesting for me. And and I think that's the same way for a lot of people. But when stuff like this is happening, it kind of not only does it question the integrity of the sport, but then it also makes people that are betting wonder, like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore because the game is rigged. You know, like mm -hmm. if, if fighters and managers can can have this inside information and use it to sway the odds. And meanwhile, like all these odds are swaying before you even, you know, before, it, you know, you find out about after the fact. But as it's happening, like you don't know, like I didn't know T.J. Dillshaw had, you know, his shoulder separated. I didn't know Derek Minner had an injury going into this fight. Um, 
I did have money on his opponent, so that was cool for me. But uh, you know, like, but but that was just you know based on you know the way I bet. But yeah, it's um, I'm glad that they're finally doing something about it, and I think that they probably caught it soon enough that you know that it won't have any long term effects. But this is a real black eye for them. Certainly is. Yeah. Let's go over yeah. the uh, the rest of the month. We'll get to more betting in December. Uh, UFC cut eight fighters, including. Misha Serkinov, uh, UFC Vegas, 64 results. Four fighters missed weight. It was nearly five before someone got a haircut. Uh, Amanda Lemos picked up a standing TKO win on Marina Rodriguez in the main event. Neil Magny submitted Daniel Rodriguez, all-time winner at 170 pounds in terms of uh, the, the wins. Or, yeah, set that record there. So, again, one of these guys that probably never going to win a title, I would say, but is just consistent and could be the, could be the Jim Miller of uh, 170 pounds. Who knows? Uh, Mark Hunt did make his return to boxing. We talked about that in previous episode. Knocked out an undefeated boxer in his uh, debut or return to boxing anyway. Uh, Shane Burgos uh, was out of his PFL debut fight against Bar Marish with an injury and Shane Marish instead replaced him. That would not end well for uh, poor Marlon. Cain Velasquez out on $1 million bail. Again, uh, was jailed due to uh, attempted murder charges. So, that case will see play out in 2023. Devison Figueredo said he wanted a bantamweight super fight after his uh, fourth fight with Brian Moreno at UFC 283. Megan Anderson was in a feud with the aforementioned James Krause and also one of James Krause's, uh, uh, one of Megan Anderson's teammates at the time for how she was coached going into her uh, featherweight title fight uh, many moons ago. Came very public. Uh, Sean O'Malley claims he got, I've, I included this in here just for the headline. Sean O'Malley claims he got stem cell penis enlargement shots. We'll move on. Of course he did. Uh, Islam Makachev and the Alexander Volkanovsky super fight for the lightweight title was set for UFC 284. And Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett was set for an interim featherweight title fight as well in that same show. Dana White said he, he never had Stipe and John Jones lined up. Anthony Jones, uh, Anthony Jones, Anthony Johnson, fortunately passed away at just 38 years old due to uh, cancer. Again, we talked about this, kind of hinted at this throughout this series that there was, he was getting better, had lost weight. Uh, there was just, there was just warning signs throughout the year. Really sad story. And uh, someone just didn't really have a, the fully realized career due to a lot of reasons. But unfortunately, yeah, passed away at just 38 years old due to cancer. Really sad there. Uh, big UFC spots are crypto.com. There's a lot of questions about them due to this. Uh, crypto market meltdown that everyone knows about. The first PFL pay-per-view price was set at $50. Show mascot Alexander Gustafson out of his UFC 282 fight with uh, Ovin St. Preux and replaced by Philippe Linz. The man of accused of killing Walt Harris's stepdaughter was indicted on three counts of capital murder. You remember that story from, I believe that was last year. Remind me, 2020. I think it was 2021. Uh, that whole sad story. And then Israel Adesanya, as he was leaving New York City, uh, in the airport was stopped due to having brass knucks in his carry-on bags. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, somehow I missed that Israel Adesanya story. I wonder if uh, he was, you know, maybe he's uh, going to WWE with William Regal. I guess so. Was, uh, yeah. Big uh, I always talked about talked about it in, in the past. Uh, Neil Magny as the uh, all-time welterweight winner. Um, I think that says a lot about kind of. UFC and where it's at these days and that, you know, like 10 years ago, like I, you know, I don't think a guy would be the all time winner in a weight class without ever having, you know, even been close to a title, but that's just kind of where we're at now with, you know, 50, you know, 40 shows a year and, 
you know, most of them not having title matches on them, you know, that's where you get a guy like Neil Magny just kind of sticks around forever. Kind of like the, uh, well, I mean, maybe a bad comparison, kind of like the Dolph Ziggler of, you know, of, of uh, UFC, you know, sure. just kind of a real good guy, but not ever the top guy. And, uh, but, you know, an, an entertaining fighter on the card and somebody I like to see, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he actually got a big win on the first show I ever covered uh, as a reporter. So I kind of had a special play in my heart in that Saskatoon show. Hmm. Um, the uh, Cain Velasquez being out to do, uh, to, you know, getting let out on bail and, you know, eventually allowed to do pro wrestling was uh, kind of one of the more bizarre stories of the year, you know, to, you know, really like the bigger story was that he was, you know, arrested in the first place, but that he was allowed to go and do wrestling was very strange. Um, Anthony Johnson uh, dying was, yeah, definitely very disappointing, hit a lot of people very hard, uh, you know, very well liked guy in, in the MMA community and, you know, big name in both, uh, you know, Bellator and, and UFC, uh, you know, big part in the formation of, uh, you know, World Series of Fighting as well, which later became the PFL. So, you know, he kind of had ties everywhere and uh, nobody really, you know, he had some issues with um, domestic violence in the past. But for mo most part, most people didn't really have anything bad to say about him and uh, really sad. And, and it's really it is very, very sad to see some of these fighters passing away at a young age. And I hope I really, really hope we're not setting up for a run like we had in, you know, the mid two thousands with pro wrestling, where, you know, a lot of these guys are dying and, you know, they're way, way, way too young, but I'm afraid like with the punishment that they took and the things that they probably had to do to their bodies in order to like make weight and to recover from fights and everything and the damage they took, um, it can't be good for your long-term health. And, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, that this is it, but I'm, I'm worried. Um, and yeah, PFL pay-per-view. When I when I saw that, I was just like, it was bad enough that they were trying to put a show on pay-per-view when like they can't even get like 150,000 people to watch it for free on ESPN. That they're gonna charge people money and charge people fifty dollars. I I I'd said like I might pay five to see that show, but I, there's no way. And I watch every single PFL event on uh on espn you know we get on tsn up here in canada but there were, i did not for one second considering paying 50 dollars for that show and i can't imagine you know more than certainly no more than five thousand people paid for it and probably a lot less than that i just i, I just bizarre all right let's go to the rest of november uh fedor we just talked about Fedor and Bader. Sounds like a mm -hmm. buddy cop show. Uh, Fedor's retirement fight <laughs> official against Ryan Bader. Set the rematch set for Bellator 290 on CBS, no less. That'll be coming up in February. Uh, Bellator 288, Usman off Again, talking about that uh, the Dagestani group, man. Uh, defeating Patricky Pitbull for the Bellator's lightweight title and uh, Vadim Nemkov. Defeating Corey Anderson in that rematch to retain the light heavyweight title. UFC Vegas 65 results are... <laughs> I remember seeing this and just kind of shook my head. This is uh, way too many shows. Uh, Derek Lewis was out of his uh, main event fight on the show. Announced while the show was going on due to a non-COVID, non-weighting cut illness, which was uh, layered, uh, chalked up to stomach issues. That was uh, scrapped. And the main event was Kennedy Chekwu. Is that how you pronounce this last name? And, and Jakuwu. 
Enjikuwu uh, defeating Ion Kudalaba in uh, round two via TKO and kind of a makeshift main event there. There was nothing else really on this show. And again, this is kind of one of those like, why is this happening? But uh, yeah, I uh, put in here Dylan Danis fighting everyone. There was uh, he was fighting people in, in parking lots and setting up to fight YouTubers, which actually just get canceled as we're recording this. Uh, but not fighting in Bellator, which is uh, it just kind of just a weird, a weird run for a uh, clout chasing Dylan Danis, former MMA fighter and Green Power Ranger Jason David Frank, was dead at 49 years old. Uh, that was uh, I, I put this in here because a lot of the MMA community was uh, was mentioned him quite a bit, very kind of big pop culture figure. Uh, the Ream Alistair Overeem popped for a banned substance in that aforementioned kickboxing win, as you just alluded to. Cain Velasquez requested. It was later granted uh, clearance to wrestle for AAA in their uh, return to the United States in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, this Colorado Springs shooter, if you guys remember this, uh, the really unfortunate situation. Uh, his it was real. His father is a former UFC fighter, and he once fought in uh, in the UFC. Former MMA fighter once fought in the UFC and is really a piece of garbage if you listen to him talk. Uh, Artem Loboff sued Conor McGregor for millions over a proper 12 dispute. We talked about kind of some hints at that in a previous episode, but it became official. So that uh, bromance officially over. And then we talked about this, uh, or, or mentioned talked about you know kind of how things would change. Yuri Prohaska, light heavyweight champion, hurt his shoulder badly. Dana White says one of the worst injuries, if not the worst, that they've ever seen. Again, could have been some... Uh, uh, a little bit of bravado there or a little bit of uh, you know, playing up a bit. But regardless, her shoulder badly is going to be out for a very long time. So the Glover to share a title rematch was off for 2A2. Instead, Jan Blokovic versus Magomed Ankalaev was set to compete for the vacant title at UFC 2A2. We'll talk about that result in a minute. Related to this, and we'll talk about this in a second, UFC Fight Night March headliner Anthony Smith versus Jamahal Hill. Tisha Torres pregnant with the first with her first child with UFC fighter Raquel Pennington. Kayla Harrison lost, took her first defeat at the PFL Championship to Larissa Pacheco. And then Brandon, I, I, I knew I was going to mess this up, Lognane? How do you I think so, or Lofnane, maybe? Lofnane, that's what's it. Uh, Brandon Lofnane yeah. won a million dollars in his uh, in his playoff final, tournament final, whatever you want to call it. And this, uh, again, was kind of big because he had got snubbed uh, after, you know, I, I Pretty entertaining fight on Dana White contender series. Then he went for a takedown late, and Dana White was just like, "Screw this guy! I'm not signing him." And he went on to great success outside the UFC, including winning a million dollars. So it's a nice, nice uh, kind of fu <laughs> Dana after this yeah. whole this whole ordeal. Uh, Conor McGregor and said he was not in the USADA pool. Uh, we talked about that because he wanted to quote unquote heal and quote unquote return to normal. And he wanted PED rules changed. We'll talk about what changed with that in a minute. And then Ali Abdelaziz uh, claiming that Henry Cejudo and uh, Aljamain Sterling, Aljo, not Aldo, as I put here, quote unquote, done deal for 2023. We're still waiting to hear about that. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I was wondering about that for a second. I was like, Aldo, wait. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then it's coming from Ali. So who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, the, yeah, a lot of stuff there, the, uh, Derek Lewis fight. Yeah. I was watching that show and, um, and I, I had no idea because like I try to stay, I usually watch these fights on delay and I try to stay off of Twitter while I'm watching. So I don't get anything spoiled. And then, you know, as I'm watching, it's like all of a sudden I go to my feed and it's got it, the title of the show has changed. <laughs> um, you know, it was originally Lewis versus Spivak and now it's Enjaku versus Kudalaba. 
And, um, you know, and honestly, like, there's a, you know, they're, they're two up and coming light heavyweight prospects. And Jakku is a guy that, you know, I, I've kind of kept an eye on for years. Uh, one of these African fighters that, uh, you know, a lot of power. And Kudalaba is another one that, you know, he's had some great fights. He had that series with uh, uh, Megamed and Kalayev a couple of years ago. So, you know, these guys weren't complete unknowns, but definitely not really a main event quality fight. And then, like you said, there was really nothing else on this show um, we're seeing. This was for the hardcore of hardcores. I mean, it, it you know, it took place on, you know, November 19th, which is literally like the peak of the college football season afternoon show like nobody was watching this um except for me and uh and ryan frederick and uh you know Kapaza hitman you know like <laughs> the, the 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 hardcores i watched literally everything but um yeah it was uh bizarre but you know Derek lewis you know hopefully he's okay he's already booked for another fight so um we'll, we'll see him again soon um the uh yeah there's not not much else here uh kayla harrison losing that was a big um surprise mm -hmm. uh was our ups of the year on our, uh, in the clinch awards. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kayla had designs on, you know, maybe eventually once she's done winning a million dollars every year from PFL, although she didn't this year, uh, going to UFC and getting that big fight with Amanda Nunez that might have put a pause on that for a little while. Um, although, you know, some people have said that, you know, there's a nice redemption story there. I don't really tend to fall into that. I think this kind of, um, this was a real big hit for her specifically, not necessarily the PFL. I think for PFL it's probably good, but for her, um, I think that it really, really hampered her future earnings potential. So, mm -hmm. um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I still do think that we're going to see Kayla Harrison in the UFC eventually, but um, it's tough because she's going to have to cut to 145 because uh, there's not enough 155 pounders out there to do a division and, and PFL the last few years has kind of shown that in that, you know, all they're doing is hiring literally bantamweights and getting the bulk up to 155 to, you know, line up and lose to Kayla Harrison. And then this, you know, Larissa Pacheco just happened to be that one person that got her number. And uh, and this wasn't like a fluke flash win. Like this was a five-round decision and she beat her. So, um, you know, there, there's there's some work to do for uh, Kayla. And uh, she's it's tough because she's a great personality and a good promo and got a great look and good coaching with the American Top Team. So, um, you know, there's star potential there, but, uh, right now, like, you know, being in PFL, she might as well not even be in MMA because nobody watches that stuff. So maybe, uh, but, maybe, uh, well, maybe if she gets to the UFC, maybe I think for the rest of our yeah, lives, but they, that's it. Like, but they can do this yeah. thing where they have one, just like three fighters in the division yeah. and one champion for like years on end, you know, cause cyborg to, uh, to Nunez and maybe to, to Harris. I mean, that'd be just one champion like for five year stretches for the rest of our lives. How about that? Well, that's, I mean, that's essentially what we have now with the man yeah. and the featherweight division. So, I mean, yeah, they could do that. I don't think they will, but I mean, yeah, they definitely could. Um, she's also, you know, she's over 30. So, you know, mm. like she's not the same age Ronda Rousey was when she come up and the sport itself has evolved. So um, I, I do think that we will see her, but I just, I'm not sure of her, you know, overall like big time star potential, but we'll see. Kale Harrison actually used to uh, date someone I did jujitsu with way back in the day. Oh, wow. Yeah, long time Small ago. Small world. All right. Let's move on to December, the final month. We're here. This just passed, but all types of interesting news. Again, we talked about betting. So you mentioned earlier uh, two Canadian provinces suspending betting on UFC fights, uh, both Ontario and Alberta. Alberta later lifted their ban. Uh, at the last headline, I had seen Ontario was considering it. 
I uh, was was happy with progress, but at that point, had still not lifted yet. It's possible they did, and just the, it didn't make the news. But uh, James Krause suspended by UFC. Derek Minner was suspended and then uh, I believe fired uh, and or released. And then you mentioned another fighter from this camp was released. Krause's Glory MMA camp. His fighters were banned from UFC shows. I believe might have been banned from other MMA shows as well. So they had a kind of full blown betting scandal here. And I, at UFC 282 at the press conference, Dana White was asked about this. He said, quote unquote, zero worries. And then two days later, he said, it's a huge concern. <laughs> so he certainly changed course there. And again, when you're dealing with a public company, you know, I think he's learning. And this is kind of the, the old Dana and the new one that you can't just say, ah, that's no big deal because you were dealing with much, 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 much bigger stories at play. But this was, uh, again, a continuing thing where we're still have not reached the end of it. But I would say it's going to be hard for Kraus and his guys, people associated with that camp, buying that camp to get back in the game because, I mean, you're always going to be able to point to the situation unless he's completely absolved. But, I mean, we're, you would think that that would happen rather quickly at this point, but the fact this is still going could get, this could get a lot worse before it gets any better. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, we've talked about this already. Um, I just, I, I think that they just have to like he has to be banned like permanently and and no not coming back. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Um, keep the investigation going. Any fighter that you can tie to this, just take swift, quick action and hope to God that the FBI doesn't find anything that you don't already know because they're looking into this as well because yeah. there's a lot of money tied into this and then not only the money but just the integrity of the sport as well. Yep. Uh, and let's go to this story. This is obviously a big one talking about uh, unfortunate and early death. Stefan Bonner dead at 45. This again, this is one of the reasons I like to do these, the final one after the series wraps because so many, this happened during that week of uh, between Christmas and, and New Year's if I remember right. And again, he, uh, you know, a lot's been said about him, obviously a a pioneer in a, in a lot of ways and was part of one of the most um, heralded UFC fights of all time. I wouldn't say the greatest. I know so many people say this was this is a fight that basically got UFC their deal uh, on Spike for that season two of, of Tough. Uh, I think we know there may be a little bit of storyline built into that because of <laughs> kind of everything. But uh, regardless, you know, that was a it was a notable fight. Wasn't even the main event on that show. He against uh, Stephen, uh, or, uh, Forrest Griffin. And I remember, you know, watching a show with everyone else. But he, again, was kind of a, a two pass when he talked to how Forrest was taken uh, from that point. Obviously, winning the light heavyweight title, not holding on to it that long. But uh, Bonner not able to get that point. These two had a rematch down the road that was that was fine, but it wasn't that great. But it, I remember it was kind of a big deal when it happened when they built that up. But it was, you know, he's just a. He's a notable figure. Uh, tried the pro wrestling thing as well, and you had a lot of people saying a lot of nice things about him. Obviously, he had his issues near the end. We had talked about that in uh, previous episodes and, and even last year as well. Just really strange stuff happening to him. And, uh, yeah, there was a, there's a lot to be said about Stefan Bonner, but memorable uh, is something that you can, you can tie into all of it, put it that way. Yeah, um, you know, we um, – we talked about this quite a bit on our podcast, obviously, or um, last week, uh, you know, the week after it happened, and and we put the clip up on YouTube so you, people can search for that, uh, get our more detailed thoughts. Uh, Viking Media um, slash, uh, well, YouTube slash Viking Media, um, R.I.P. Stephen Bonner, and um, 
yeah, for me, like I was not as big into MMA at the time of the first tough, just for whatever reason, it was kind of off my radar. I don't, I'm not even sure if it aired here in Canada. Mm. Um, and, uh, but I certainly, you know, as I got more into the sport and, and followed it. And then when I got UFC fight pass, I went back and watched it. And, and I, uh, my favorite memory of Stefan Bonner was, um, the, the show that where he had to step in and face Anderson Silva. And there was a, there's a commercial that aired with him and Forrest Griffin where, you know, Stefan Bonner was like, I need some help. I got to fight this guy. What am I going to do? And he starts going over the different things. He's like, should I stand with him? And then they show highlights of Anderson Silva knocking people out and Forrest Griffin's like, no, no, that's probably not going to work. Oh, should I go to the ground? And then they show him submitting and, and he's like, what can I do? And then he just kind of looks at the camera with this look like kind of, oh man, I'm fucked. <laughs> it's like, it was, it totally just sold me like i even though i knew he was gonna lose like i and it, i was at a point at that at that point in my mma fandom this is like 2012 i think um where i wasn't buying every show so i was kind of making a decision based on the main event and this yeah. was one i was gonna skip because anderson silva fights were usually boring and um and I, you know stefan bonner was you know whatever but then i saw this this um commercial i was like oh, okay you know what they sold me i'm gonna buy this and it was within a year after that that i was kind of hardcore buying everything but um that that one just sticks out to me and yeah just really sad way 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 too young i yeah. saw him wrestle as well uh live in vegas oh um, yeah at yeah. uh yeah FSW, with um, one of those right? features fsw yeah on one of the f4w weekends uh the same show that promised thomas and uh um uh sent or promised thomas and filthy uh wrestled each other mm. and uh the uh, that's the one where uh filthy turned on brian alvarez after the match and yeah bonner was was on that show and uh yeah so very sad and again you know just one of these things where this is the kind of one that i've been worried was coming and uh, i hope we don't see more of this because just the, the the punishment these guys took and i mean and and you know usada came in maybe too late and uh you know to kind of hopefully protect the long-term health of some of these guys but this stefan bonner's peak was before usada yeah. and just the punishment and the drugs and you know self self admit you know uh admitted you know he used steroids he popped twice including that anderson Silva fight and um yeah it's sad to see him go but you know we still have the memories and uh sad way to end the year for sure i mean i think we found out christmas eve and it happened like two nights before so yeah very sad yeah the uh he was massive for that silva fight i mean he was he was really yeah. tan like he looked like a pro wrestler that was in uh, october 2012 yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff, yeah, and then testing positive for uh, PD after that. But yeah, he had. Uh, I mean, he fought some guys. He fought John Jones early, early yeah, in his career. He took him to a decision too, which he did. You know, was kind of shows how good of a fighter he actually was because he's one of the only guys that John Jones didn't finish early in his career. Yeah, I mean, he fought guys. He fought you know Rashad, Forrest, uh, Keith Jardine, James Irvin. You remember him? Yeah. And they, yeah, yeah, John Jones, Mark Coleman, uh, Christoph Zinsky. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, yeah, Anderson Silva and then or Winnipeg uh, guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tito Ortiz losing. Uh, lost uh, to Tito Ortiz at uh, Bellator 131, his final fight in November 2014. Definitely a memorable fighter. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot of stories there. Stephen Bonner dead at just 45 years old. You mentioned USADA, and this story kind of I, I floated under my radar until I was reviewing all this. So USADA made some changes. You know, we're talking about the six month thing with Conor McGregor. So they made this change. Of course, they're keeping the six-month notice where if you get out of the pool, you got to get back in the pool. You can't fight unless you've been in the pool six months. However, they made some changes last month. So 
USC may grant exception exemption to the six-month written notice rule in exceptional circumstances or where the strict application of that rule would manifestly be unfair to the athlete. But in both cases, the athlete must provide at least two negative samples before returning to competition. Uh, they're required to declare prohibited substances they have used in the previous 12 months. Cause you know, if you're taking illegal shit, you always confess and say you're taking them. Right. And, uh, any, de- any athlete who makes such a declaration, depending on the substance will be acquired or refrain from competition in six months, two negative samples, blah, blah, blah. But essentially, so in Connor, uh, took to Twitter and essentially took credit for getting this rule changed. And this was seen as a way for. Connor to get back in fighting and avoid this. And also for TJ Dillashaw, because TJ Dillashaw retired and quote unquote yeah. retired. As we always say, they don't, they retire until a big opportunity comes down the road, but essentially to, to get out of the pool, do what they need to do to rehab and then come back in. And so there was a lot of eye rolling at this. USADA continues to be one of those organizations. There's so many questions about, we talked about the amount of times that Yuri was tested. Yuri Bahashka. Uh, we, uh, we talked about last episode, I believe it was the Paul Costa being tested on fight day. And there's just, there's just a lot of questions about this organization, how they're doing things. And then UFC able just to make changes, uh, to these policies as they want. It's, uh, I, I shouldn't be surprised by this stuff, but it's kind of like, you know, why are we still bothering to do this stuff if you can just manipulate it? So, um, I wanted to kind of just throw that in there. Thoughts about any of that? I honestly had no idea about this. Um, oh, like no you, kidding. You know, like you said, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we might as well call this the Connor rule. Um, if it had happened a couple of years ago, it'd probably be the Brock rule. Um, and I suppose <laughs> it it even may open the door for, you know, a Brock Lesnar return at some point if if uh, he wanted to or at least threatened to to get more money out of WWE. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it, this is this is something because now guys, you know, will I'm sure – use this to their advantage and i mean i do understand what connor's saying in the sense that you know if if you can use um peds to recover from an injury quicker and then be able to get back into um into fighting sooner than you would normally be able to without using them um assuming you're not going to use them during you know your your lead up to fighting um i i could see that where you know perhaps people would say that this was okay um although like you like you then you know it's kind of a slippery slope and then what are you even doing um and why are you even doing it is it just basically there to allow that you know to make it so that most fighters are not able to use pds at all but the guys that have a lot of money that can afford to do it in between training camp cycles are gonna oh yeah i'll just retire i'll use pds for a while then i'll unretire and uh, give them a negative sample and then i'll be right back in the cage and most of the top top names don't fight more than twice a year anyways so um certainly they they would be able to game the system so that they can time it so that they can use um you know and not be tested uh in between camps so um yeah it's, it's very interesting and i'm surprised that this and again, I say I'm surprised it hasn't had more attention. It is very possible that it did get a lot of attention. It's just kind of off my radar because, you know, it, I this is, you know, the holiday season and there, we haven't had a show in a few weeks. So mm-hmm. I'm not as, you know, I'm kind of more, most of the stuff I'm following on Twitter the last couple of weeks has been more wrestling related. So I haven't really seen a ton of MMA stuff. So it's possible that a lot of people are talking about this and I just haven't. But it didn't come I, up on our show either. Yeah, And we've done shows the last couple of weeks. So. I haven't seen anything about it. And look, I, I, I'm, you know, I kind of go and there's so much, so much vagueness uh, and so much um, non-forward thinking with some of the USADA rules in terms of what they test for. 
Um, does it actually provide benefit? Does it not? There's so many questions with all the stuff that they're not willing to kind of engage with. So to do this, it's just another kind of, again, just an eye roll. Of just it, It's just a facade in so many different ways. So yeah, another another kind of thing there. Let's uh, let's go through this first chunk of December. Uh, Aljamain Sterling confirming, saying that uh, Henry Cejudo was up next for him. Cejudo would later say that uh, he's just waiting on Aljo to sign the deal. So who knows if we're going to see this fight. Conor McGregor and Michael Chiesa settled. I didn't know this was still happening. A lawsuit from that bus attack <laughs> that was, what, three years ago or something like four years ago at this point? Yeah, at least. It was because it was it's WrestleMania. Five. I think it was like WrestleMania weekend, right? And uh, it, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, 2019, so four years ago. Four years yeah, ago. Yeah, crazy. Uh, the finals settled that lawsuit. Uh, terms not disclosed. Nate Diaz's manager said to expect multiple fights coming for Diaz in 2023, including boxing, of course. And he was also given the key to Stockton. So there you go. USC Orlando results. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson picking up a TKO win over Kevin Holland in a great fight. Uh, Thompson saying afterward that they had uh, come to a gentleman's agreement during the fight to not take it to the ground, and that was uh, to the benefit of those watching. Uh, and then uh, Rafael Dos Anjos submitting Brian Barbarena to keep his uh, career alive, so to speak. Robbie Lawler injured out of UFC 282. TJ Dillashaw retired. We just talked about that. Who knows uh, how long that will last. UFC 286 official for London. Dana White promising a title fight for that show. But will it be Leon Edwards? Because it appears that he's injured his hand. He was at a show this past weekend and had a big uh, splint on it. So we'll uh, we'll see if that actually happens or if it's someone like uh, you mentioned, like Valentin Shevchenko or something along those lines. Paul Costa claims they turned down a six-fight extension with the company. He was looking to head to free agency. Dana White said Glover Teixeira is going to face the winner of the UFC 282 main event for the title. We just talked about that with uh, Blokovic and Ankalaev. That would certainly change. Bellator 289, Hafeon Stotts, or Raytheon Stotts, rather, picking up a split decision win over Danny Sabatello to remain the interim bantamweight champion and advance the bantamweight Grand Prix Finals. Patchy Mix also advancing to the finals with a win over uh, Magomedov. Uh, flyweight champion Liz Carmouche defeated Juliana Velasquez in their rematch to retain the title. There was this big dust-up between Patty Pimblett and Ariel Helwani that was based in a lot of non-truths on uh, Patty Pimblett's side, if you... Watch Ariel talk about that and all the receipts that he had. And again, UFC 282, we just talked about this. Uh, Jan Blokovic and and, uh, and Ankalaya fought to a draw. No light heavyweight champion, womp womp, after the show. Dana White, he says he never makes fights on a fight night, but he did this time. And he made a fight for Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill, uh, Jamal Hill, rather, made uh, that their that their uh, fight for 283, I believe it was going to be, um, was going to be made for the title. Uh, Dana White called Blockovitz an ankle of a terrible fight. And then Anthony Smith, who we just talked about a second ago, saying that uh, you know he was going to fight Jamahal Hill in March, found out on air that he wasn't going to be considered for this light heavyweight title, and you just could see his heartbreak on air. Just, again, a bad year for him. Patty Pimblett, quote-unquote, won a decision over Jared Gordon, and this uh, goes on to the Doug Crosby criticism we were talking about earlier. Crosby, the night before, was on, of course, this fight being in Vegas, Crosby, the night before, was in Connecticut judging that Raytheon Stott Sabatello fight and flew across country the next day to judge this. So, some, again, some questions about uh, the judgment there and, uh, and you know how fresh are you and just all these type of things. Uh, also, at 2A2, Raul Rosas Jr. getting a quick victory on the undercard. Uh, a fighter, I think, is, is already getting a ton of buzz and probably a lot more buzz for 23, Ilya Tapuria, Tapuria rather. 
picking up submission win over Bryce Mitchell, and then Darren Till loses again. So I think that uh, any any chance of him getting the upper echelon of uh, I believe fighting at what, 185 now uh, is is pretty much done after uh, his quick start. And Shogun Hua officially announcing he would retire after his UFC 283 fight. Thoughts about any of that mess? Uh, might as well start with UFC 282. Um, that um, it's funny when you look at this card, it really reads like a fight night. Um, you know, and, and especially the fact that we had a title fight in the main event that ended up not really being a title fight in the sense that we didn't award a title at the end of it. Um, and it was for an interim title as well. And it was really the Patty Pimblett show going in and, you know, he's gotten a lot of hype. We've talked about him a lot this year. You know, he's kind of on that Conor McGregor trajectory, except doesn't really have the talent of Conor McGregor and kind of probably not the charisma either. Although, you know, he's, he's a very, very charismatic guy, but just, you know, Conor McGregor has come, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime kind of guy. And Patty Pimblett is, I'm sure most people would look at him as a poor imitation, although I shouldn't say a poor imitation, but an imitation anyways. But either way, he doesn't have the fighting ability of Conor McGregor, and he really showed it here against Jared Gordon. Even though the judges gave him the decision, um, you know, almost everybody watching, you know, thought he lost that fight. Um, And uh, Doug Crosby, the night before you mentioned that he had – he had uh, judged in Bellator. The the one thing is in that main event or in that Stotts-Sabatello fight – it was the first time in history that a a judge gave uh, the losing fighter a 50-45 scorecard. That's right. In their favor. And that was Doug Crosby. And then he comes across. Now, of course, he wasn't the only fighter, only judge that gave the fight to Patty. And and honestly, in this case, like I've seen a lot of people like the you know, all three rounds were close, but it, it's really tough to come up with giving Patty Pumla two of these three rounds and um, you know, I think every single um uh, reporter scorecard was for Gordon and, uh, and, and, you know, two of the three judges were, were for Patty, which was, you know, very, very much of a gift decision. Um, the, uh, D- like, even though, um, Till lost, like that was a really good fight and Till looked like he was going to win early in the fight. Um, but Duplessis just ran through him. And I feel like Duplessis is going to be fighting for a title within the next probably 12 to 18 months. So the Till loss, may not look as bad in retrospect, but it's still, you know, he's, he's suffered some tough losses and I think he needs to take a step back and maybe fight somebody outside the top 15 to just kind of get back on that winning track again. But overall, just kind of a, a non-eventful show and one that was real easy to skip, especially, you know, at the UFC prices these days um, that are going up actually. Um, Ariel and Patty, that was kind of a bad look. Um, you know, I know like basically if you're already a fan of Ariel, if you're already a fan of Patty, both guys kind of, um, you know, just rallied the forces behind them. But I think it was just kind of a petty squabble that didn't really do either guy any favor. I mean, Patty saying that he should be paid to be on Ariel's show and, and Ariel just, there's certain things, you know, you had him on your show and, and you talked about, you know, some stuff with Dave and, and Brian, with you know, he took offense to and everything. And I think Ariel is really good at what he does, like the best. But I think his role is more of the um, the content provider and entertainer as opposed to uh, being a journalist. But it's tough because he is a journalist and and he does have those sources and he he does have and he does break news. Um, but it's just, I think like, it's just something he does over the course of providing that entertainment show 
that he does that's very popular that you know he does very well at and and you know and and people benefit from being on his show for sure um so that's why like i think if anything like you know i could you could almost see a case for management paying to be on his show for the publicity but obviously like i don't think he's doing that because he, you know he's he's doing all right so it's a very tricky situation and and i think like i don't know i i always feel like just shut up and enjoy the show you know <laughs> and, and most people do and i think that's what that's kind of almost what, yeah. what you need to do um and yeah everything everything else in the show the the thompson holland fight um definitely a great fight and uh you know at the end of the show here uh it may come up um as is one of the last thing you want to close with so um and uh yeah and, and tj dillashaw retiring i again i wonder especially with these new rules like whether or not that one's going to stick um i think it probably should given the injury that he's trying to come back from but you know fighters they don't tend to not retire although shogun retiring after 283 i think that one is something that needs to happen i'd say so too let's go through the rest yeah. of the month here cody garbrandt paul fontaine favorite returning site for his return again at UFC 285 against Julio Arce. Uh, Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor rumors for July. Keep that in the back of your mind. Again, talking about all this USADA stuff and everything like that. Jake Shields and Mike Jackson got into a fight at the UFC Performance Institute. That was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, UFC Vegas 66 results. Jared Cannonier picking up a split decision win over Sean Strickland. Drew Dober picking up a win over Bobby Green, a fight of the night candidate. Holly Holm. Sever Hurry UFC return fight night against Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, Paul Costa, Robert Whitaker off 284. Costa wants a pay increase, and who knows what's going to happen at this point. Zion Clark, a wrestler with no legs, won his first pro MMA fight. That was a, of note. Nick Diaz, quote unquote, making a comeback, and he does just want to you know, work his way up the ladder, Paul. He wants Israel Adesanya next. <laughs> UFC pay per view. Oh, I. I, I... Oh, go ahead. I thought I thought Izzy. No, I thought Izzy was uh, that that girl that used to be oh. on, uh, on <laughs> the NXT it. shows. Okay, you're talking about Israel. All right. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? We make that. One. Probably a better uh, chance against uh, against the girl. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. UFC pay per view price, as you mentioned, going up another five dollars to seventy nine ninety nine here in the good old U.S. of A. Corey Sanhagen versus Cheeto Vera. Set to headline Vegas 69. That should be a fun fight. Jose Aldo likely to make his boxing debut in 2023. Get the theme of the year there. Yo Romero versus uh, Vadim Nemkov was canceled. Uh, it was the uh, co-main event off uh, that February Bellator 290 show uh, that was going to feature, uh, will feature Fedor and Bader. There was no reason given. I guess Nemkov just pulled out and really not sure what's going on with that. Sarah McMahon, you had mentioned this previously, signing with Bellator after a long run in the UFC. Derek Brunson said he's not retiring. The Korean Superboy, Doohoo Choi, a somewhat Hall of Famer, I guess you could say, one of his fights in there, returning at UFC Bay at 68 after three-plus years away from the sport. Bigfoot Silver retires. Talk about a guy that should have retired years ago. We'll see if that sticks. Former Bellator champion Javier Lovato Jr. returned after three years off, and he had a, a brain injury that was, was really kind of scary. It forced him to retire, but he came back, and he won uh, his return in MMA, not in Bellator, but he picked up his return. Um, and then we just had Rise, which happened just a couple of days ago. Bellator going 5-0 and to sweep the show. And Manny Pacquiao was announced to be fighting, fighting in Rise in 2023. That being boxing, not MMA. Uh, on the MMA side, Patricio Pipple, AJ McKee, Kyoji Horiguchi, and Juan Archuleta, part of the group that picked up victories there. And we have to mention the slap. So it happened yeah. on New Year's Eve. It wasn't reported until after, but I'm going to break my own... Um, my own rule here, because I don't want to wait a year to talk about this. 
So on uh, New Year's Eve, Dana White and his wife and uh, family and friends, wherever, on the, in vacation in Cabo in Mexico, where they are, they are currently are right now still, I believe. And there was a they were at a nightclub. There was I'm going basically just off the TMZ video. Uh, they were having some sort of argument or something, and they had been drinking a lot, as you tend to do on New Year's Eve. Some people do. Dana White's head were in hands, and then she goes to leave. Dana kind of grabs her, come back, and she slaps in the face. Dana pauses for a second, slaps her once, and then goes after her again before things get broken up. So as we sit here on uh, Wednesday, January 4th, uh, nothing has happened in terms of discipline. I think the assumption is that nothing will happen from the Endeavor side unless things get really bad. There's been a lot of other uh, media members outside the MMA sphere that are essentially asking what how ESPN is going to cover this because obviously they're partners with the UFC. Is this was Roger Goodell? If this was uh, um, any other commissioner, Adam Silver, um, Gary Batman, any commissioner in any other sport, this would be a. I mean, this would be right up there with the uh, the Buffalo Bills safety in terms of injury. This would be the top story in the in the sport and in, in sports right now. There, there. I mean, this would this would be chaotic, right? But with Dana, mm-hmm. there's been. Uh, you know, no, no, like major backlash as of yet. And of course, the very odd, strange tie into this whole thing is this slap fighting promotion that he started, which is just about to start. And some people are like, oh, is this some sort of, I mean, it, it is just an odd cosmic coincidence that this happened. There is no way this is done to promote that slap fighting show. It is just the weirdest coincidence. I, I am, um, uh, I think I I don't think Endeavor is going to discipline him because he makes them a ton of money and I don't really think they're the most reputable people unless this really catches fire and they do one of these kind of after the fact suspensions. Um it took a while for Vince to get got and it, I think it's going to take a while for this to happen. I think that uh I I would be I would not be surprised if we hear today or this week that that slap fighting show is put on hold for a while. That's just a bad look um, for, again, the, the strange coincidence. Uh, it's um, shit happens, but this is, I mean, you, you can't do this stuff. And I, even no. married, married for 30 years, it doesn't doesn't matter if you're married for two months or not married at all. It just there's <clears throat> there's certain things you just you just can't do. And when it's public like this, you have the video evidence right there. It's not hearsay. I be I mean, I. I'm very interested, I think, with the rest of the kind of the MMA world into how this how this plays out. Um, he's not going to go poor. Family's not going to go hungry or anything like that. But it's not a good look. And it's it's a terrible thing. And how how this works out is going to tell us a lot of kind of where we are. But I uh, I, I just have a feeling Endeavor is not going – they're going to do some sort – if they – any type of discipline, they're not going to make him step down because he's friends with Ari and uh, the owner. And they just, I think it's just, it's just one of those things where it's uh, because it's fighting. It's almost like because it's Vince and wrestling. There is this thing of just like that's just the way things are, or that is so lowbrow that we're, you know, of course this stuff happens there. But this is like there's so many partners that can that can get shit from other people for this. And again, the slap fighting thing. I just I can't imagine this goes forward on TBS because. Those stories are just going to bubble up again, right? He's a major figure of the show. I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. Your thoughts on any of this? Wow. Yeah. Um, 
I don't even the the no, the news items you mentioned. I'm just I can't really. Um, there's not really much to add to any of it, so I might as well just talk about this Dana White thing. Yeah. Um, I I concur with what you're saying. I think that on the side of UFC and Dana in particular, um, as as sad as as terrible as this is to say, but I think that Demar Hamlin injury um, was fortuitous for them in terms oh, completely. of completely, completely. Yeah, all like I, it, yeah. Yeah, it's all anyone's talking about. And like you said, if that hadn't happened, ESPN would be forced to cover it. But right now, all anybody is tuning into ESPN for is to find out what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. Right. So, you know, the, the Dana White thing is somewhat under the radar. That said, it's not completely under the radar, and a lot of people have seen it. And I think, like you said, any other sports organization or media company or anything that isn't WWE – um, the someone in the position that Dana White is in would be gone. And I think maybe even WWE now, like if this was like Triple H and Stephanie, you know, like, and, and you know, like, I, I just, I can't imagine that he would have his job today. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Dana with his wife, you know, same thing, except it's Endeavor. But that said, they're also in partnership with ESPN, which is owned by Disney. And now they're about to go on TBS, which is owned by, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery. And I don't, I can't imagine that both either of those companies are okay with the publicity that something like this brings with it. And I think that there is going to have to be some sort of uh, a punishment for him, whether it's a suspension or, you know, I, I can't imagine them removing him, but you know, it's, it's, I mean, certainly it would happen in another company, but I just, I would be very surprised if it happened in UFC, even though it should. Um, because the other thing is like something like this, um, is, you know, if it happened in public on camera, uh, it's probably not the first time it's happened. Um, you know, and I don't have any inside information or anything. I've heard some things, but you know, it's all hearsay, but, um, the, I, I just, you know, you generally aren't doing this kind of thing in public, you know, regardless of whether or not alcohol is involved mm -hmm. and it, yeah, just it's, and then, you know, just Dana White's power slap league with this video. <laughs> it can't, I, it, it can't happen. It can't. It can't. You just can't. <laughs> it can't. Like, I mean, whether you rename the sport, you definitely take Dana White's name off of it. Um, you know, I, and, and I don't know what you, but, but I can't even imagine you calling it the power slap league anymore. And then if you're not calling it the power slap league, then what are you calling it? And then yeah. what is the point of even doing it? And as I said earlier in the show, uh, or even maybe it was the last show when, or no, I think it was this show when it was first announced, like, what the hell is this? Like, why, why are they even doing it in the first place? And then, you know, like to top it off with this, I mean, maybe this is just an out to, because I couldn't imagine this working. And I feel like this is going to be some foot i hope this is gonna be some footnote that we look back on in three years and can you imagine they were actually considering doing this mm. um you know and and then you know that this happened and um the only thing you know i would say that i i hope but i don't i hope that like whatever's going on between dana and his wife like you know that that what they're both saying publicly it has some semblance of truth and that this was just, you know, an argument that got out of hand and this isn't emblematic of, you know, something deeper going on. Um, my 
you know, kind of spidey sense tells me, you know, don't believe everything you hear, but um, I, uh, you know, I just I kind of hope for the best in all that situation. They have kids and, you know, and they're, you know, and, and, uh, you know, no, you know, this is gonna be tough to go through even privately, let alone, you know, with public scrutiny, but regardless of what happens, like, I think Dana should just, you know, maybe even say, you know, what, I'm going to take a break. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go away for a while. Um, you know, Sean Shelby and, um, uh, Mick Maynard and, uh, you know, um, what's the other guy, Ari, you know, they can run things and I'll just, I'll just lay low for a while and, and let, you know, this kind of, you know, figure out what's going to happen with this in terms of, you know, like, I don't yeah. think he's going to get any charges or anything like that it happened in Mexico, no, 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 yeah. but yeah, but, but I mean, you know, and then let the, but if he doesn't do that, then I, I feel like, and you know, the company is going to have to do something because they're going to get pressure from their, um, from their, uh, broadcast partners. Yeah. We'll see. I'm very interested. Yeah. I mean, with Hunter Campbell there, they have, they, they, the organization I think that show is set to debut. It's either next week or the week after. Yeah. I think it's like next, it's next week. Yeah. 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 So this is yeah, uh, after dynamite, right? Yeah. It could be. Uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine that going through. I can't, no. I no. can't. It's, no. it's yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy shit. And a story we'll be talking about more in our next series. However, Paul, before I let you go and before you get your plugs, yeah. I asked you to provide your, Top 10 or top five, whatever you want to give your fights of the year that people should go back and watch from 2022. Let's hear it. Okay, I do have 10 fights here, so I'll go over them real quick. Uh, Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prochaska for the uh, light, he light heavyweight title. Uh, that was a classic fight. One of the all-time great title fights that you're ever going to see. Just dramatic, almost like a movie. Um, go out of your way to see that. Um, I talked about this um, last uh, year. I got to get this guy's name up. Um, the Nate Landaweir um, fight with uh, David Onama. Mm -hmm. uh, it was co-main event on uh, one of the uh, fight night shows. Just an incredible, like back and forth, rock'em sock'em robot kind of fight. Just incredible. Uh, definitely worth going out of your way to see. And it is a fight that a lot of people may not have seen because of you know it was on a fight night. It was on ESPN, but it was a San Diego show. Just, just incredible, incredible fight. Um, I, I, uh, I, I can't urge you enough to see. Obviously, number three, we talked about earlier in the show, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Number four from uh, Fight Night Columbus, Matt Brown and Brian Barbarena. This was just an incredible fight. Matt Brown just refused to go down. Barbarena just refused to stop hitting him. It was a great fight. Uh, one, another one we just talked about a couple minutes ago, Stephen Thompson, Kevin Holland from uh, UFC Fight Night uh, just this past month. I think it might have been the last show. Um, that, that was a great fight. Uh, Luke Rockhold and Paulo Costa, um, the fight where he said, I'm too old for this shit. This was one where like the third round was, it was actually really bad, but it was one, bad in a good way, you know, like to where it was like sloppy and both guys just giving everything they had, but they just had nothing to give. And, uh, just, just a great, great, compelling fight. One of the first uh, main events of the year, Calvin Qatar and Jiga Chikadze from mm. uh, January, Great, great fight. Early contender for fight of the year. Um, we talked about this last week, the uh, upset of the year, or one of the upsets of the year, Matt Schnell and uh, Sumarji, um, that from uh, July, the UFC on ABC show from Long Island. Great, great fight, great show. Uh, Drew Dober had a bunch of good fights, but I think uh, my favorite one was the fight he had with um, Terrence McKinney. Uh, that was back in March, um, and uh, just a KO win. He is an un under uh what's the word 
um, unsung pick for fighter of the year. Hmm. Um, he had three fights this year, all won by KO, all against like decent names. Um, he might get third place on my Wrestling Observer ballot, to be honest with you. And then the last one uh, will be uh, uh, Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje uh, from May. Uh, UFC 274, a great fight that Charles Oliveira won via submission, which uh, was a fight that I believe that was the one where the light, the lightweight title was not on the line because Correct. he missed weight. Correct. Uh, unless Justin Gaethje won. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a great fight and kind of a statement performance by Charles Oliveira setting him up to uh, go on to lose to Islam Makhachev, but still a great fight nonetheless. Yeah, I watched, uh, so a few of those I actually watched in the last week. I rewatched watched uh, the Glover Teixeira-Prohoshka uh, fight. Great. I watched, yeah. uh, I had not seen the Schnell-Samarji fight. That was great. And again, I didn't, I, when I when we, we talked about that, I know that there was a comeback. It really was a comeback because Snell was out on his feet yeah. and was able yeah. to come back and pick up a victory and a convincing one as well. That was, that was awesome. And I just rewatched uh, Oliver Gaethje as well, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be checking out a couple of those other ones there. The uh... have you seen the Onama Landwehr fight? No, that's that is uh, that's next okay. on the list. Yeah, t- you got to let me know what you thought when you see okay. it because yeah, because that, that that was incredible. Exactly, like it was every bit as good as Griffin Bonner and maybe better. Okay, good. Like, I would yeah, check, yeah checking yeah, that out yeah. next. Of course, you can. Let Paul Fontaine know about your top 10 lists and A, the fights that he yeah. listed and his thoughts on uh, Paul Ace Fontaine, his Twitter. You hear him on Fight Game, uh, both on, on YouTube and uh, uh, with the In the Clinch show with Brian Frederick. Uh, Grandpa Dez returning, correct, on YouTube? Soon, soon, yeah. yeah. Soon. And uh, yeah. where else? Where Tell us, uh, I know we've plugged away at the end of every episode, but yeah. what else did I forget? Uh, oh, well, I have the, um, so on, I'm on Fike media, um, with the podcasting. And so we have the free feed, which uh, you can get on all your podcast, uh, platforms, including wherever you're listening to this one, just search Fike media and we drop every Tuesday, our last episode. If you like this series, uh, Ryan and I did, you know, a shorter version, but the MMA, you know, kind of our MMA awards predictions for 2023, and then, you know, just kind of news of the week. So I uh, clocked in about 70 minutes and uh, you can find that, uh, for free on the fight game media free feed, uh, which has a lot of wrestling and boxing content as well. Even some pop culture. We also have the Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash fight game media. That's just five bucks a month. And I have a show on there as well, uh, called the dynamite show with Jeff Hawkins, who is a longtime member of the F4W community. One of the moderators on the message board and uh, he's a longtime podcaster for uh, uh, voices of wrestling and fightful. And we do the show uh, every every Wednesday right after Dynamite ends. So it's you know it's usually up on the feed about two hours after, and it's just kind of our instant thoughts on the show and AW in general. And it's uh, gotten you know a nice little run of popularity. We get a lot of feedback on Twitter, and it's a lot of fun to do. And uh, Jeff is very old school, and I'm kind of I'm very extreme. Every every week is either the best or the worst show they've ever done. So uh, if you, if you like that sort of thing, yeah, you check out our show. And we're not always positive, so I, I know that's one of the main pieces of feedback we get because some of the podcasts are just so pro AEW, it's almost sickening to listen to sometimes. But <laughs> when they're good, I really do gush over them. But there's the yeah. odd show that they're not that great. So, uh, but yeah, so you can check that all out. And uh, yeah, and then other than that, just my uh, writing is mainly writing about ratings these days. Uh, you know, it's a something everybody wants to know about and. Uh, that can be on Wrestling Observer just about every day. Mm. Uh, I'll have an article on there, usually around uh, 4.30 Eastern, uh, whatever the show the night before was. I'll, I'll tell you what the ratings were and how it compares to last year and all that good stuff. So 
You can check me out on those platforms. That's right. I mean, 70 minutes, Paul, that's nothing. We're at an hour, hour 45 at this point. I know. I love it. I feel like we could go another hour. It's awesome. Oh boy. I know so many things that, uh, so much things to get into and so much time. Again, we're here even at the end of a year where, uh, you know, to me, there wasn't as many stars in the past. There's so many things to talk about. And I'm, I'm my hope for the year ahead this year, uh, 2023 is we get some of those stars back. We get a Jones back. We get uh, in a big fight that Connor, Connor fight weeks are always fun. Um, you know, even we get to some of these people that, you know, love him or hate him, like the Colby Covington types and the Jorge Masvidal. I want to get some of those names back in the mix, uh, and just kind of see where we're at and get some of those headlines yeah. going. And, you know, we'll hopefully get this Edwards Usman rematch and the Bahia Adesanya rematch. And just kind of like, we, I think there's some good momentum. And I'm, I hope we get a year of, you know, relatively injury-free fights and some big ones as well. And, uh, you know, ones that are kind of leading to some other, some other bigger things as well. That's what, that's what my big hope is for, uh, for the year ahead, for sure. I agree. And, and like even some names, you know, kind of coming up names. to take the yes. place of a Conor McGregor and John Jones, like Bo Nickel is a guy that a lot of people are excited yep. about who, uh, was supposed to debut last month and, uh, will, will be debuting soon. Um, you know, Sean, Shane O'Malley, Sean O'Malley, we talked about, uh, Patty Pimblett, if he can kind of get, get his stuff kind of figured out, um, you know, and even like Whaley Zhang, can she be like the next dominant female superstar, you know, um, yep. Amanda Nunez, can anybody beat her? You know, like Shevchenko, I mean, yeah. Juliana Pena beat her. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we see that fight again, you know, for a fourth time, uh, Shevchenko and Nunez, you know, I think that's the fight people want to see. Kayla Harrison, is she going to come in, you know, or is there Aaron Blanchfield is a female name. People want to keep an eye on. I think she's 23 Mm -hmm. and she's uh, really doing really well in the flyweight division. So, um, you know, she's somebody that could eventually uh, unseat Valentina Shevchenko. So a lot lot of interesting things. And and UFC is uh, coming up on a contract negotiation. So I think it's in their best interest to promote these shows and ESPN as well. So maybe this, I, one of my kind of bold predictions for the year that we had on our show was that USC was going to have another near record year on pay-per-view, you know, and if they can get John Jones back, if they can get Conor McGregor back, if they can do the Adesanya Pereira rematch and the Usman Edwards rematch, I think they are set up for a big year. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. All right, Paul, we've been doing this for multiple years and I uh, greatly appreciate the time you, yeah. you, uh, you spend. And uh, it's uh, a lot of fun as we look back at the year that was and, We'll uh, we'll talk to you again, and uh, we'll be here again in uh, what December two thousand twenty three. Hard to believe. <laughs> Hard to believe. All right, and at that time, I'll be talking to a forty six year old. So That's right. That's be, right. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, Always boy. a pleasure, Josh. Same this here, Paul. Paul Fontaine. Thanks so much. Okay, big thanks to Paul Fontaine for dropping by. Again, we record that on Tuesday, uh, January 3rd, a day before the uh, – actually, no, I'm sorry. We recorded on uh, on Wednesday, January 4th, my birthday. That's why I said happy birthday to me. God, I can't remember my birthday. I'm that old. But, yeah, it was, it was uh, before some of the developments of, uh, of Thursday afternoon when TBS initially thought to be canceling Power Slap altogether, but it sounds like it's just going to be pushed back for this time or at least at this point. One week back to uh, January 18th following AEW Dynamite. I don't know what's going to happen to White as we, we, Paul and I kind of talked about that. I don't think my opinions have really changed that much. You've had uh, media figures uh, kind of question how ESPN is going to cover this. ESPN, uh, actually, Jeff Wagenheim, who is a former guest or past guest rather 
on this show. I uh, happened to mention yesterday, I want to throw this up, see what the date is here. Oh, yeah, it's January 5th. This would have been Thursday. We've been told to not write anything incendiary on the social media, on social media about the Dana White situation, and I understand why and have abided by that. I just ask you all have to understand that some of us at ESPN do not condone, do not have as soft, soft a take as this, I can't even read, on domestic violence. And he uh, had a clip of uh, Stephen A. Smith warning Dana White before addressing the white slap on first take, that quote unquote, he's a friend. Um, and uh, yeah, as I guess they talked about that. I had kind of you know, kid gloves, but Jeff basically saying the ESPN was asked not to write anything so on social media about that situation because UFC is a partner of theirs. And this is a, it's a big problem. You know, it's a really big problem as we talked about. And you got to take the how much you might like UFC and like Dana White out of it. And what's the right thing to do? And the right thing to do is he needs to, uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm like, he needs to step down. I, I, I mean, any other uh, promotional head would have to step down or face some sort of serious discipline, I would think, right? But, I mean, this is just kind of being swept under the rug. And, uh, you know, the MMA media is talking about it. I would implore you to check out uh, both uh, Morning Combat from Tuesday and then when they talk, first talked about this situation, they had a good opening segment about it for about 15, 20 minutes. And also Ariel Hawani uh, f- addressed it in, uh, in only the way that he can on his MMA hour, which I believe uh, was a year-end award show near the beginning. He addressed it. Uh, he's, he's clipped out the video. You can find it on YouTube. But both are very uh, uh, on, on the point, I would say. And yeah, and so it's a crazy situation. There should be some sort of discipline. But uh, to have no discipline at all, and I, I can't believe TBS has not fully canceled this thing. Uh, we'll, uh, it's surprising to me, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. So uh, thank you all for listening to this series. It is a labor of love, just like the Pro Wrestling Year in Review series. Paul spends a lot of time on his end, obviously, with a recording. But, yeah, I, I, I spend time kind of going through all the headlines and things like this. So probably, I don't know, about 10 hours or so, 8, eight to 10 hours, I, I would estimate, uh, that takes going into this. And, uh, yeah, I greatly appreciate Paul's time. And thank all, all you for listening. You have a lot of choice in your podcast day. And I greatly appreciate the time you spend, especially with me and any of the other podcast guests and uh, hosts here on WrestlingObserver.com. We are on to 2023, which is bound to be another newsworthy year. It, you know, we're five, six days into the year, and already there's all hell broken loose in both pro wrestling and MMA, and uh, absolutely more to come. So I will be here for it, and I'm sure all you will be as well. So until next time, insert catchphrase here, and thank you. <laughs>